So greetings, everyone. Um, subject of tonight's session is going to be an overview of living our truth. So I'm very much looking forward to hear what uh, Dr. Alok Pandey has to say about this particular subject. Uh, it should be a fascinating session. So over to you, sir. Namaste. So the subject is living our truth. It's very interesting to phrase it as living our truth. Is truth different in different people? Well, truth is the same, but it acts differently in different people, taking into consideration the stage of development, the purpose for which it operates within us. So it's not a fixed dogma. Now, last time when we spoke about finding the truth, few things just to recapitulate. One was, and this is something very obvious, one doesn't need to be uh, spiritual or even scientific. Um, uh, one can say for sure that truth does not lie in appearances. This is something which life teaches us, experience teaches us. And anybody with a little perceptive uh, intelligence can understand that truth does not lie in appearances. So the first rule, if rule there can be about living the truth is, don't react to appearances. <laughs> Because if we are responding to appearances, by its very nature, we are falsifying the very first position. We must perceive the truth before we can act upon it. So don't react to appearances, rather act. So one of the first um, practices which um, Shubhindu advocates in the Gita, uh, in the sense of yoga also, he speaks very much about it. The Gita also speaks about it is, that to learn to step back from appearances. The mother very beautifully describes it, that we have a tendency to rush and uh, act and react based on what's happening all around. So senses perceive something and the rest is constructed by the mind. We don't even know that how neatly uh, the eternal dreamer mixes facts and fantasies in our consciousness. And it's done with a wonderful purpose. <laughs> but all the time, there are Things which are picked up as facts. And we uh, confuse facts as truths. Um, information as reality. That's why in Savitri very beautifully Shurabindo says that facts are husks of truth. In other words, what we see happening outside, the event which is conjured by the mind, by the senses, the eyes, hearing and all the other senses which are less active but mainly the eyes and the hearing are simply facts as observed by the senses. And we should hold on there. It, it's not necessary, it is the truth, but it hides within it something, which is what we have to unearth. So then, what is applied to these facts, usually in most human beings, it's reason. Reason applies itself to these facts. And based on that, it draws its own conclusion of what's happening and the action or the course of action. But here too, it makes a number of errors. The primary data is still of the senses, number one. And number two, a very important thing that when the reason applies itself, we don't even realize that it has a very preconceived a priori judgment and bias. Very few people can get rid of it. Very difficult. Because our human mind is so conditioned that we carry certain inherent biases in our system and many we develop through the process of what we call as education 
and of course through society and people around so by the time we apply reason to these this first data it's already falsified and then the third thing which operates within us which of course completely falsifies the action is the desire for a particular result truth doesn't care for our personal results it cares for the one result for which it is striving and it is to manifest itself so when we look at this whole world scenario within us and around us what what is really truth doing it is manifesting itself all creation is an act of manifestation of the one that's why it's called a leela because it cannot be understood by the human mind which is standing here and that manifestation is taking place through ways and means which completely baffle the human intelligence in savitri there is a very beautiful passage describing this state where he says against human judgment this is his cosmic crime this his is the lord <laughs> and what is his cosmic crime to reward the sinner and while the virtuous are met with defeat the human reason is completely baffled because it already creates um, you know sections slots according to which it thinks this is the true thing and then when we act based on a certain result then obviously it cannot be an impulsion of truth within us so step by step we have to disengage our self from all these various trap knots in which we have tied up truth and one of them is of course senses so while senses will give us the data we have to wait and hold on many times a momentary uh, senses may report something momentarily and it may be a moment's expression but it is not the truth truth is much deeper and i'll take a couple of examples one example was where a lady sadhika who has been living in the ashram for many many uh, not years decades and uh, mother had taught her painting by holding her hand literally so she used to go into these swings so one day uh naturally when you are so close to the divine no fault of hers not easy to bear that tremendous pressure so one day she tells mother i am going from here packing my bags and going from here so mother is just watching very quietly and then she had a bunch of roses given by the mother white roses given by the mother and she takes it and throws it back and says you don't love me and i am going from here and she leaves the mother's room goes to her place in golkund begins to pack the bags behind her comes the mother's personal attendant vasudha ben and she tells her you know mother has sent this card for you keep it i don't want to see it okay you don't want to see don't you want to know what mother said after you left after a moment's pause she says okay tell me what did mother say says mother said she does not know how much she loves me i just imagine there is something so deep within which mother saw and the moment she uttered it it was like a magic formula khulja simsim you know that magic formula which opens the door to infinite treasures inside us otherwise it looks like a rock and it opened a door then obviously packing was cancelled 
and eventually she she lived on here and left the body much much later so when we rush at uh, people's actions or outer behavior judging it very quickly sharply rashly harshly condemning them or even eulogizing them for that matter we must understand that we have missed something very fundamental in this creation to really act on the basis of truth one must have tremendous compassion and benevolence because the divine acts on the basis of compassion and benevolence so i just want to read i don't want to you know delay this reading which i i find very very interesting and based on that we will develop the theme this is a conversation of the mother dated march 22nd 1967 and she has given a message that year the message is cling to truth now you know she is saying hold on to truth and we'll see when we are going to shubhendu's room it's written there cling to truth that message often reminds me that it's a two way message when you are going to the divine cling to truth what is cling to truth deep inside us that truth hold on to that when mother was asked 24th april is coming how should we prepare ourselves she said ask yourself one question that's how she said how to prepare for you for the 24th april darshan ask yourself only one question what is the most important thing for you in life that's all and i find it so interesting and often with children you can ask play this what is that one thing if you have to ask the divine one thing what will you ask for if somebody woke us up at night midnight and said ask something what will we ask now she says hold on to that what is the most important thing for us in life that is what we have to hold on to so th- so that is the first aspect so she says makes a comment on that because of this message for the new year everybody is talking about this message everywhere it has given a good jolt everyone is claiming to be a defender of the truth so when we are going cling to truth that which is the most important thing within us that's the most sacred thing and when we are coming back from the room even more importantly cling to truth so both ways it works both ways why cling to truth before we have gone to the divine it is still okay i mean in the sense we don't know mother says when we act in ignorance when we don't know things it's it's okay but when we know the things and then we act with awareness then it has very serious repercussions so cling to truth so here she says everyone is claiming to be a defender of the truth they ask me questions and everyone is surprised that truth as he conceives it isn't established in the world where is the supramental creation new creation everybody asks this question it's the wrong question the correct question is when will i have the eyes to see the new creation maybe it is much closer than we imagine it to be see when nalini da was asked about superman he says he may be in your next door neighbor we don't know because we have this idea of superman superman will be doing some superhuman things in the sense he is an aggrandized humanity but there's an asuric kind of humanity that's not what is superman superman is a being of extreme compassion and benevolence even though he has tremendous power he is very vast 
and he acts on the basis of compassion. So she says, they ask me questions and they ask that everybody as he conceives it, truth as he conceives it, isn't established in the world. So I am beginning to be forced to wage war for the truth against all the conceptions of truth. And that's rather interesting. So the second thing which is important is truth is not only not in appearances, that is easy to understand. But truth is not in my opinions, viewpoints and my conceptions. This is more difficult. So because we conceptions are like important frameworks. We cannot operate without conception. Without conception means to live in the freedom of the infinite and act on the basis of not some fixed uh, theory but based on an impulsion at a given point of time. It's very difficult for the human mind. We invariably need some prop to hold on to before we act. For instance, there is here that old idea of vegetarian food. Thank God mother is, you know, that time vegan food was not there. So she's not talking about vegans. So this is a conception of vegetarian food. Some people write to me indignantly that these holy rules are being increasingly broken. Someone wrote to me a first time asking me to answer. I neglected. So he wrote a second time to tell me, what can we do if you don't answer? So the mother replied something like this. Truth is not a dogma. You see and it's so interesting. Vegetarianism is primarily within India. It has been practiced. Though outside, uh, now people have begun to practice for medical reasons. But in India itself, vegetarianism was primarily meant for the Brahmin who was a seeker of truth. When were Kshatriyas vegetarians? In fact, there was proper sacrifice because their job required it. So, even in India where Vegetarianism was practiced. It was meant for those who are seeking the greater light for the higher truth. So the consciousness should not become gross. It should not be pulled down by violent impulses inside. Therefore vegetarianism. And even there, it was said that you practice the sadhana and it will drop off when the time comes. But for the Kshatriya who had to fight the war, it was not vegetarianism. Because he had to have a diet which will give him strength. So it was based on a certain logic. It was not something as a dogma. So she is explaining this dogma is when we take a fixed position about things and apply it universally on all. So there are plenty of dogmas uh, and uh, let's hear what mother has to say. It's very interesting. For instance... um, Truth is not a dogma that one can learn once and for all and impose as a rule. So wherever we impose anything, you see, sometimes when we do it, things as a rule, it can, it works very strangely. Someone asked asked me once, Sir, if I read Savitri 108 times, will I realize God? Now, it's not like God is counting our beats. (laughs) So, there are plenty of people who have realized God without doing anything. So first we should be very clear that he is not a mathematician, an omnipotent mathematician who is going to give the result based on what we have done outwardly. As Shubindu says, he does not give result based on, um, you know, sadhana, the way we understand, but based on the sincerity of our aspiration. So sometime for a person 
वन सिंगल रीडिंग ऑफ सावित्री और इवन जस्ट अटरेंस ऑफ वन वर्ड ए फ्रेज कैन चेंज ए कैजुअल पासिंग फ्रेज कैन चेंज अवर लाइफ एंड वी मे हैव अ ग्रेंड रिबिलेशन वेर एज फॉर एन अदर पर्सन ऑफकोर्स इट विल हैव एन इम्पैक्ट इट विल हैव एन इफेक्ट दैट्स ए डिफरेंट थिंग ऑल टूगेदर बट we are reading or doing the naam japa but we are constantly thinking now i'll get the result now i'll get the result and god has a tremendous sense of humor he say oh you want a result what do you want i want to have a vision like that oh you want to have a vision arjuna had it last time and you know what he what happened to him so he may give us some kind of some little <laughs> something and we are very happy i have seen god it doesn't work like that You see, there is a very interesting truth reveals itself when it knows the time is ready. Na yamatma na pravachne na medha na bahu na shrutein yamveshe vranute tein labhyas tasyesha atma vibranute tanuswam. It reveals itself to one who wants to know it sincerely. So we have these wonderful steps given in uh, Isha Upanishad. If you really look at it, how to really live this truth. But before I come to that, something very interesting. um truth is not a dogma that one can learn once and for all and impose as a rule truth is as infinite as the supreme lord and it manifests every instance for those who are sincere and attentive only two conditions are required and it is infinite in one person it may express in one way in another person it may express in very different ways okay share an example of a story which i heard from the person who was involved and it it's it can shake somebody again don't make it as a dogma but he was telling me that you know once when he he when he came to the ashram he saw a man who was basically just happy person he was neither doing any work as normally you expect he used to go regularly eat food and remained basically happy he would sleep well eat well so one day he asked don't you think that you are in the ashram you are supposed to do sadhana and is this what you are doing <laughs> so this man laughs and says should i listen to you or should i listen to my guru he said of course the guru what did your guru tell you he said i asked shurabindo what should i do <laughs> and shurabindo replied eat well sleep well be happy <laughs> the man told me who is as he says he said he well i said he said i was speechless what could i say after that <laughs> oh no he was following it literally is it all right so he would eat well he would sleep well and he generally remained happy sometimes you know these things um, dara we know you know these are examples to show us how differently it operates in different people so dara we know was sayyid ibrahim and you know he was called dara because he was dara in his previous life and uh, there were no restrictions on him like except when he said no i want to do namaz five times shubhendra said in that case you can go and do it elsewhere this is not the place for that because his fundamentalist mind suddenly came and there is a very interesting letter of shubhendra about fanaticism and fundamentalism and that's written to him but that was later on so dara would sit in his room and you know it was a sight to see him i don't know the <laughs> two hand there would be two cigarettes very uh, scandalizing huh? but in his <laughs> in his feet he would have a mosquito repellent so if somebody saw three places 
um, the smoke is coming out. And often he would keep his window open. And one day some thief is coming and stealing from his window and he's watching it. And somebody said, Dara, what are you doing? He said, no, it's amazing how he's stealing my clothes. So this Dara would not go for food in time. So dining room people complained to Shurabindo that he doesn't go in time to, you know, come into the dining room in time. So what should we do? Uh, now Shurabindo's reply was, <laughs> go and give the food to him. So what to do? So they went. After a few days they said, sir, he doesn't open the door. Okay, you put the food outside, hang it. Sadhaks are also very smart. This is a, there is no nail to hang the. They want him to say something to this Dara. <laughs> and <laughs> and Shrivinda says, Why? You can't fix a nail? So fix a nail, hang the food, and let him eat when he wants. Now, this was to Dara. Again, it cannot be applied to another person. Someone like Duman Bhai, day and night he is busy with work. Pranabda, whom the mother said is my shadow, barring, you know, during that period when... Um, and how, how every... What she would say to one person, it would be very different to another. Not only that, what she has said today, next day she may change completely. So one day somebody asked, Mother, yesterday you said this, and today you have completely changed... Uh, why did you change your opinion? That was the word. Mother says, because I have no opinions. <laughs> opinions are fixed. I have, I have my opinion. Said, based on the vision of the moment, I reveal what has to be revealed. So it's not based on any opinions. It's based on the dynamic impulsion of truth at a given point of time. And Amal Kiran says so beautifully that once he went for changes in Savitri and the mother said, you know, you think that you know better than Shurabindo, all that word and we know that whole story. But next time she said, okay, you, based on whatever your, you know, if you think there are typological errors. And he says, because my attitude was very different. First time I went as if I am going to uh, help Shurabindo in some way. And next time when I went, I said, mother, I know Shurabindo is perfect. But, uh, you know, with regard to people and these are probably crept in while writing down. There are mistakes like that. Not that Shubhinda made a mistake, but when you are dictating and somebody is writing. And she said, okay, you make a list and do it. So, there is no fixity in the action of truth. So, she says that two things are important. Sincerity. Sincerity by definition means that I want to be transparent before the divine and I want to live according to my highest ideal. And every part, because we are not just one part, central sincerity is relatively easy. That okay, my life is meant for serving the divine. This is central sincerity. But there are many parts in us which don't want. They want to go their own way. So another definition of sincerity is to organize our whole life around the highest ideal. That means our thought should be organized like that. Our heart should be organized like that. Every moment and every, every movement should be uplifted. Which some parts will easily be ready to be uplifted. Others may not because they will react. Others may totally resist. And yet slowly, slowly, slowly tweaking has to be done. Because uh, nothing is to be discarded. Nothing is to be rejected uh, in toto. But it's um, 
falsehoods are to be rejected so that the truth can emerge from within it and then she says something very interesting the same day i got another letter the whole letter ranted and raved about all that is going on what this place is worse than the world she laughs and she answered where truth to manifest in such a way as to be seen and understood by all they would be terrified by the enormity of their ignorance and false interpretation the divine had once manifested the truth on the battlefield of kurukshetra even his closest friend was shaken this is your will i thought you are a very goody goody guy i had heard that you were just playing flute and people were dancing what kind of dance is this is this my another dance this dance will prepare you for that dance of gopis they have gone through this stage you go through this after this dance with kali then you can dance the radha's dance and arjuna couldn't imagine that is this what and the, you know similar phrase in kathopanishad when nachiketa asks yama tell me about that being that truth that resplendent light he says oh you want to know about that you know sages and heroes are meet in his banquet and i death am simply a spice you want to know about him natatra suryo bhati na chandra tarakam nema vidyuto agni kuto yamagni that all this sun appears like a shadow so truth conceals itself covers allows many things which we may call as errors but he uses them as steps of his dance so that we can eventually catch up with him that's why there is a phrase in savitri our errors are his steps upon the way and she says everyone is the defender of the truth one about food vegetarianism another about money you can't take money you should completely you know abstain from money another about business you cannot do business another about relationships everyone has his hobby horse <laughs> she has a wonderful sense of humor in some of her conversations the wonderful thing is that till now not one has told me maybe my opinions aren't true <laughs> instead of asking her show me the light of truth ask her what really is the true thing to do everybody has fixed hobby horses and based on that they are judging the whole world and judging everything maybe my opinions aren't true not one maybe my way of seeing or feeling isn't true not one they are all in full truth <laughs> see that story of the zen story where a monk uh, somebody comes to ask a monk tell me about um, you know i want to join this place so tell me what is the qualification he says i will see that later can we play a game of chess he says okay i know chess we can play just game of chess is required he said hold on in this game of chess whoever loses his head will fall off he is to be beheaded so now he is a lot more alert attentive as they say so the game starts this fellow wants to win but the monk is very good also he is fully concentrated 
at one point however he sees this fellow sees that he can win but just before making that move he holds on and wonders if i win this monk has to keep his promise and has to be beheaded what's my life worth at least this person has done so much sadhana so much yoga it's better that i lose the game and as he says i have lost the monk says now you are ready come be initiated it was not about the game of chess at all it was about compassion we cannot you know understand life without that so she says the defenders of truth are often worse than the enemies of the truth but i can't say anything about that because i am the one responsible i hold told them cling to truth no they all make the same mistake they confuse truth with the old idea of virtue they all make the same mistake as the moral error and truth you know if we really read some of krishna's story even rama's story people once somebody told me about shurbindo he said shurbindo has said you should never tell a lie i said yes so why did he write his name as uh, another name for traveling by the sea he asked me the question a very dilemma question why did he give another name so i had a funny answer that time which flashed i said who told you that he wrote a lie no no it is there it's written in the book so i said has the book told you what is the name he wrote he says no i said i'll tell you he wrote the name jyotindranath Do you think he told a lie? <laughs> I said, "Do you think he told a lie when he wrote Jyotindranath? <laughs> Was he not telling the the ultimate truth about himself, <laughs> the Lord of Light? He is everything. He has assumed all these names and forms. So it is a way of looking at things which is so important. So she says, how many times?" and above all they want a truth expressed in a few very clear and well defined words so they can say this is true the old calamity of religions this is true therefore the rest is falsehood calamity of religions so you want a rule book pocket guide take it out and see hadith number so and so do this don't do this so based on that you act then don't question because it is written in the rule book this is so dangerous and this what has led to calamity of religions how many times how many times shurbindo said when a thing is true you can be sure that its opposite is also true when you have understood this then you will begin to understand and then she says people come and tell me the divine grace can act only in the truth and i shouldn't forget that people are coming and telling mother just imagine they are violating the very first rule first rule is open to the mother and surrender to her so they are coming and telling her mother shurbinda has written that grace will act only in conditions of the truth the divine grace can act only in the truth and i shouldn't forget that i means the mother mother laughs there is a quotation from shurbindo in which he says the divine grace will answer but do not think it will answer in falsehood an admirable sentence only they don't know what they don't know they are the possessors of the truth falsehood is for others so actually look 
from one point of view all these quotes till now body mind heart life they are all steeped in falsehood when we understand it then we really come to start awakening to the truth and it's the action of truth on these which transforms them that is the whole whole thing about the yoga and even intelligent people that's the strange thing because it's so idiotic even people who anyway have a brain who understand fall into the trap and then she says thanks to all this because of thanks to all this and then she speaks about a vision which is very interesting and she says everything you know a movement that makes use how does truth act it acts a movement that makes use of everything to lead towards the goal it's not about virtue and vice it's not about victory and defeat it's not about success and failure it's everything that leads us towards a goal even errors which aren't errors because when the consciousness is there the error isn't one committed by ignorance a thing is said or done because that's what needs to be said or needs to be done he uses our ignorance to lead us from there you see that wonderful phrase asadoma sadgamya tamsoma jyotirgamya amrityorma amritam gamya you see it is so remarkable i mean we all have heard about it from our childhood but what i feel beautiful about this particular shloka is it shows a movement a movement is not a line drawn and this is this and this is that it is a change from one to another state it's a transition it's using this to unveil itself and reveal itself so it may in appearance be even a blunder yet it's exactly what is needed for everything to move forward move forward luminously towards the desired goal it's absolutely marvelous this is the highest vision of course then we can take this attitude that okay it doesn't matter what i do try it somebody asked the mother shurbindo that you know what about free will fate he says it doesn't matter whether you take this position that all is fated or all is free will you will still be compelled to choose that's exactly how the gita starts you will be compelled to make a choice because this is there in human nature it's inbuilt in programmed and it is equally true that the divine will use your choices to ultimately fulfill his purpose so ultimately the whole thing comes upon how to choose and there the mother gives us a very wonderful simple one liner to choose without preference and execute without desire all that is to be seen is that in my choices where is my selfish interest am i doing it for my pleasure am i doing it because i am going to gain something even going to god maybe with this idea that i am going to gain 108 times savitri what i will get maybe the divine may say okay 108 times i'll write in the book that you have done it is always done with some desire some pleasure that's why the mother says divine should be sought for the sake of the divine not with any other ulterior purpose the moment we put an ulterior purpose we have limited so when we look at um, this unfolding 
essentially if we really want to know whether we are acting in truth or not first we should try to extricate every trace of selfish interest egoistic involvement and it's not easy that's where the whole catch lies whole sincerity is about that am i really doing something so that i can get advantage from it am i doing something to fulfill my own conception because i have taken a certain stand and it should be like that then i am falsifying my basic position that's why the practice of equanimity is a fundamental practice and nishkam karma is another fundamental practice if we can practice nishkam karma and equanimity then we are likely to receive that direct impulsion of truth so she says that consciousness it's this marvel of a consciousness that makes everyone do what must be done puts everything in its place sorts out everything and it's our idiocy an absolutely ignorant and stupid vision that would have us believe in mistakes in errors in and then she says she stops because many times the divine knows that you know what he is going to say will be again misunderstood by the human mind to vast a teaching too plastic too infinite too supple our mind will make even a dogma out of this how to make a dogma she said there is no mistake i'll do whatever i feel like doing that's not what is being said here this is from the poise of the highest consciousness that don't believe that the divine is judging condemning based on a rule book that's all that is being said she will come to how we should act but here this is what is being said everyone is a problem to be resolved that's how the divine is seeing meaning thereby i am not unique in my problem everyone only thing is that some are aware that there is a problem others are not and it's very easy to understand who is a little one step further <laughs> if we are not even aware that i have a problem everybody else has a problem then we are very still far from that first step so she says everyone is a problem to be resolved so all those problems interpenetrate and it is the whole that must be led towards precisely this truth the true one so she is using all these things everybody is a problem to be resolved and all these interpenetrate they are interdependent interconnected it's it cannot be cut off look at the vision of the divine but i have spent you know hours in admiration a blissful admiration at this marvel of organization with all the little things around you all the little people around you all the little circumstances how everything is used toward that goal and we hardly understand and then this overwhelming mind which understands nothing and asserts itself in its all powerful knowledge oh it's so comical meaning there why truth is you cannot fix truth either in terms of space nor in terms of time truth of a moment may completely change the next moment because it's all the time manifesting itself so what does truth do what is the action of truth what is it busy doing it is the maximum use of all possibilities and all impossibilities <laughs> so all capacities and all incapacities a maximum use in a maximum power and a maximum compassion and also a smile if you are smiling now even that has been corrupted unfortunately you know people know how to smile fake smiles is the worst kind of thing that you, you ever want to you know ironical smile is still okay 
you understand the fellow is smiling you say i know i know what you are saying <laughs> at least the person is revealing to you na that is still okay but a fake smile yes sir i'm so happy oh you have come i'm so happy to meet you and art is saying when will he go that is the worst kind of thing that human beings have copied faked everything but the worst faking is faking a smile so she says a smile a sense of humor divine is a wonderful we have painted that very first thing is falsified shurabindo without a smile somebody asked shurabindo dilip kumar roy so he says who painted this and he in fact he uses the word what a blundering uh, ignore me he says you are we are very hard hitting he says who told you that i never smile probably you must have read nevinson's impression in the court room when he was indrawn or perhaps you know during the darshan day you are filing past and you don't have time to notice how can there be divine without a smile his smile makes you know he alone can smile and one who is one with the divine can smile at everything and why he can smile because he knows no power can slay my soul it lives in thee your presence is my immortality one who is in connection with the divine knows that whatever be the circumstances however dark it may appear whatever mistakes and errors one may have made yet the lord is there so that brings the smile so she says a smile so if we want to know truth first we must learn to smile people are very say no i want i want truth so you know when they start doing that they will say first learn to smile then we'll talk about what is truth so she says and this overwhelming mind a fanta- a sense of humor such a benevolent irony so full of compassion so wonderful and this overwhelming mind a fantastic phenomenon indeed it spends its time judging what it doesn't know and deciding on what it doesn't see as long as the mind believes it can know things it is far from truth that's how the isha upanishad says avigyatam vijanata vigyatam avijanata ki upanishad that if you think that you know it you know it not and he who has not the thought of it knows it because it will reveal itself then there was the vision of others and the remembrance of the time when those things had great importance and were taken very seriously with a solemnity a holy moral solemnity god has said this and if you don't do this you'll be condemned forever <laughs> so this is there was a time when mankind was living with those conceptions so you see we have advanced at least one step mankind has got rid of that kind of a god <laughs> a god who is busy with carrot and stick judging us condemning us to eternal damnation thankfully mankind has got rid divine action of course people that way the fear has gone so they act foolishly but doesn't matter that is better than making a stern god who is you see what happens with a stern god he is the god who is entertained by the jihadi mindset he is a stern god he punishes if you don't believe in him the way i believe in him so that is the stern god it's better that people for a moment go through that phase that it's okay 
God is benevolent, he is compassionate, he understands. And then she says, unlike in human beings, the action of the divine is not governed by feelings or principles, but by the dharma of each being or thing known through identity. So the third block is principles. And some people are so fastidious and conscientious. They must wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and after doing all the nitya karma, they must do the panch karmas. <laughs> As if they, if they don't do this, God will be very annoyed. And I have seen such fantastic examples. Um, I have even quoted this. you know. And not only that, this is a great pride. When you go to somebody's, you know, once I remember going to somebody's house and um, he saw that I woke up at 5.30. Now, you know, uh, person comes to give a talk, gets up at 5.30. So he very proudly said, you know, I to wake up at 4 o'clock. It's very good for you. It's good for health. What do you do after that? He said, after that, I take a bath. And then after doing this, my prayers, then I start my day. So I said, okay. So, not saying about myself, but I said, you know, but there are others. Their whole day is a prayer. They don't pray and start the day. <laughs> <laughs> they start the day <laughs> and the whole day is a prayer. That's another way to look at it. It's a different thing whether a person understood or not. We get so much that just because one is doing a certain kind of ritual every day, God is very happy. God sees that little thing going on inside the heart. That's why Arjuna is given the honor, the greatest privilege of receiving the greatest scripture. He is given the privilege. Who is Arjuna? He, is, he cannot be regarded as the most righteous person. Yudhishthir would qualify for that. Nor a Mahatma Vidur would qualify for that. Nor a Bhishan Pratigyavan who kept his promises like Bhishma. He would qualify for that. None of them. Nor like a Danvir Karna who stands by friend. None of them. Because they were all stuck to their own principles. And so when Sri Krishna advises Yudhishthir. Maybe Bhishma can, you know, Drona can be killed provided you say Ashwatthama Hatohata Naro Kunjaro. It was a great compassion to Yudhishthir. This story is so much misunderstood. Ashwatthama was actually an elephant who was killed. But it was the Lord's way of saying why are you so much stuck to this idea? Look at the larger context here a whole civilization is at stake. People are dying and based on which side wins, the path of dharma is going to open. And if you look at it from that standpoint, you know, we know that Sri Krishna did that little trick of making it appear like uh, it is already sunset. So if one looks at it, he tricked Jarasand into Shurabindo. See, Shurabindo, many things are parallel with Sri Krishna. And one of them is during the Second World War, on 15th August, when Hitler and his army wanted to blow, give maximum blows to the Allies, that day, because of a fog, mysterious fog which came from nowhere, you know, the Allies were saved. And <laughs> they asked Shurabindo, were you behind that mysterious fog? So he just smiled and says, how does it matter? <laughs> so look at something very similar mysterious fog appears and covers everything in a blanket 
So if I look at it one way, that is there an interference in a fair war? Nobody should take sides. He should be just like a nishpaksh. This is what we forget, that truth is not just an impartial witness. Truth is constantly expressing itself in countless ways. And this expression of truth in creation is what is dharma. There is no other dharma except whatever helps in the manifestation of truth. And therefore we have swadharma. In each individual the impulsion is unique and different. Because the divine loves infinity. He doesn't want to make clones. He is not an AI. He is DI. In AI, everything is standardized according to a format. And based on the format, it will give you the probability. He is DI. So he sees the heart of every creature, identifies with it. And based on what is necessary, there is this impulsion which comes. Now our work is to be attentive to that impulsion. That's what is called sincerity and attentive. And this attentive to be this impulsion is only possible when there is peace and quietude in the being. If all the time there is agitation, excitement, fear, rashness, then we cannot attend the divine impulsion. It's a different thing that there is the greater truth that even when we don't attend to the divine impulsion, even when we act foolishly and ignorantly and erroneously, he still uses it for his purpose. That's a different part. That's what we have read earlier. But as far as we are concerned, she says, all human activity is based on reactions, which are themselves the result of feelings and sensations. And for people who are considered superior and who act according to reason, everyone has his range of principles on which he bases his action. But the other fact is interesting. For instance, when a human being loves someone or doesn't love someone, his reactions to the same phenomena are not always opposite, but extremely different to such an extent that ordinary human judgment is based on those reactions. It would be take the, the, good to take a very precise example, that of disciples and the master. The disciples almost never understand the master, but they have opinions of him and of his ways of acting. They see and say, the master did such and such a thing. He acts with this person in such and such a way and with that other person in such and such other way. Therefore, he loves this person and doesn't love that one. So people used to ask, mother smiled a little longer, somebody stayed a little longer in Shurabindu's room, somebody was allowed to do this, somebody was given work in Shurabindu's and the mother's room. Therefore, they are by default superior. They may be, that's not the point. But if you look at it from the highest sense, there is no superior inferior. In each one, he is working out this grand miracle. In one person in one way, in the other person in another way. Divine is not busy giving us marks and categorizing us superior sadhak. Okay, next. One, two, three, four. That's not how he operates. In each one, it is unique and wonderful. So she says, that's the mistake we make. So when we love somebody, we are ready to forego many things, overlook. When we don't love someone, human love, she is saying. Then even if the person has done everything right according to the checklist, one mistake, not only you catch the person, you remember it for times immemorial, even after the person has forgotten, when did this happen? No, no, you have forgotten. I'll remind you. Why? Because that love has passed away from the heart. When love is there, even something very blatant and you 
forgive. So she says that all human action is based on reactions. Divine action, on the other hand, spontaneously stems from the vision through identity of the necessity of the dharma of each thing and each being. It is a constant perception, spontaneous, effortless, through identity. Meaning thereby the only thing important is to stay connected within. That's all. <laughs> and see what stems from there. And if we are not connected to get back, to once again get connected. If something is coming immediately, spontaneously, it could be a vital reaction to get back. And then see what is the deepest and highest truth that comes out. I use the word dharma because it's neither law nor truth but both together. In order for this being to go by the shortest way to his goal. It was so clear. So how are we to discover this dharma and to live it? Finally, the steps that given in Ishopanishad, several uh, places it is there in the Gita, but in the Gita in all scriptures and of course we have read Mother and Shurabindo. It starts very interestingly. Yagnaval prays. He says, Hiranmayena patrena satyasyapihita mukham tattvam pushana pavranu satyadharmayadrishti. I want to know the law of truth. So, what is the law of truth? Because he has seen, he has discovered that wideness, that all this is an expression of the divine, manifestation of the divine. So, how do I act? If all is the divine, how do I act? So, he aspires that give me that law of truth. So, then we have a series of slokas. And one is that what is the divine, though all is divine, yet he describes that he is the wisdom that has gone into this world. And that wisdom we must try to connect. What is that wisdom trying to manifest in this world? But more importantly it says, remember, Vayurenil Amritam Achedam Bhasmantam Sariram. Om Kritusmarkratam Smarkratusmarkratam Smar. Don't act on the basis of just the body and the bodily life. What is pleasant, what is going to uh, be, you know, good for it, for my comfort. Divine never acts on that basis. But what we must remember, oh will, what is my aspiration, what is my goal, what is it for which I have come? Remember that. Oh will, that which was done, remember. That which was done, remember. So always to keep this aspiration as the steering compass. And if that is not there, goal is not there, then it's uh, finding truth and living the truth, then all that is far cry. Then all that can be said is first find the goal and be clear about the aspiration. That's the first thing necessary. And then what is what the uh, Rishi says? He prays to Agni and he says, Take me to the path of the right, the path of felicity. I surrender myself to you completely. Make the crooked straight. So now this making the crooked straight is very interesting. Many times there is a truth which is expressing itself. But by the time it comes into the mind and the vital, it becomes twisted. So it's not like this is true and this is false. Falsehood is twisting of truth. Mother explains this very beautifully and there is a very interesting um, line in the Bible. What does the devil do? Devil quotes the scripture, twisting it. He just twists the truth a little bit and it becomes a falsehood. So what Agni does, it untwists and makes it straight and clear. It sees the true impulsion and the artificial um, twisting because of desire, because of pleasure. All these things get involved. 
So we have to remove that and keep that true impulsion always intact. Which is a more difficult task than simply rejecting things in toto. So he prays to Agni. Who can make the crooked straight? Aspiration. So if we remember our aspiration all the time, the goal, then automatically we will start, there will be a pressure on the movement. In fact, we don't have to do anything. This Agni will put the pressure. When mother was asked how the new world will be created, she said, have you not read Shurabindu? In the Vedas, he says that the new world will be created by the pressure of the will and faith, the idea. It's the pressure of the will. So that should not be, we should never justify and say, no, it's okay. The will should always be there all the time that I want the divine, I want the divine, I want the divine, I want that. So what happens because of this pressure which increases inside its agni, the false movement begins to get straightened out. It cannot bear it. So agni ne raya. What is the sign that I am living this truth? There will be a state of felicity. If one is in a state of anger, depression, pessimism, be sure that one has moved very far from the truth. One simple test that I am growing, going closer to the divine or not, am I happy or am I sad? If I am sad, I am whatever I may be doing, all puja, part, meditation, but I am going further from the divine. Because he is Anandamaya. To go close to him always brings felicity. So one should look inside. Pessimism is the tale of the devil. So all these things. So Agni. And then he relies upon Agni. That you are the divine. Who is Agni? Agni is the divine mother's will in us. Divine mother's will. I surrender to you. I to keep telling her let thy will be done. I do not know. In my ignorance I may ask things. I may do things. I may say things. But you are the Lord. You should change it by superimposing your will upon my ignorance. I'd close with a story how even when we have seemingly uh, made what is called as a mistake and you know again we have read that that in the divine conception and this story typically typifies it. Long back this was told to me by someone who had heard directly from the person. They had taken mother and Shurabindu's photographs and uh, from here and those days you had to cover it. It was not like anybody and everybody can see. So, one day he noticed that a fungus has crept inside the photograph. And he felt very miserable. What to do? So, he was so tormented. So, he prays to Shirobindo. Why didn't you give me the intelligence to keep it in the correct way? Now, look at the prayer. <laughs> he says, you should have given me this thought and intelligence. Now, you take care of it. I don't like this, but I don't know what to do. And he describes slowly, slowly, slowly the entire thing disappeared. This story is so beautiful and illustrative. Many times we may act foolishly, which deep within we know is not in conformity with our truth. Yet we must surrender and bear ourselves. This is the other side of sincerity most important. Mother said, when you come before me, be transparent. Don't try to hide. Don't become a sadhu bachya. Because anyways I will see. So people would ask that, you know, why do you, we need to tell you, you know everything. Is it? To see how much you are conscious of. If you are not conscious of, and on a very personal note I will close this, that if you are not conscious of it, I will make you conscious. So long back, long, long back, decades, there was something going on, every life has something going on. So I wrote 30 
maybe more than that pages letter to mother and this our way any problem write to her asubi pade sab all my side of the story and mother act and this thing mother acted the immediate problem of course went away but more importantly over the years i discovered that all that i wrote in the letter was not how things were the whole perception changed and when after 10 years i look back because i remembered what i had gone through and how i had perceived i realized no none of my perception was true it was an entire net which was clouding the vision and when she took it away i realized that this was complete so the advantage was that when you bear yourself before the mother it doesn't matter our perception may be anything she just looks us at, at us she smiles and without ever knowing silently just shifts the needle just a little to the right to the correct center and that is what is called making the crooked straight so let us live with this great truth we are living by truth the sign will be will be at peace and happy within ourselves and if we are unhappy agitated anxious distressed sad we can take it for sure that we are moving away from the divine same with one step test free of cost about the general health and well-being of a person when a person walks into your clinic just see whether he is smiling or not if he is smiling he is safe in the lord's arms thank you thank you dr alok um can i ask a question actually yes 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 um i'm just thinking of someone that's not really sort of speaking totally in conformity with the truth Uh, in fact he's telling her what's turned in english a white lie you know which is something that is said with very good intentions very almost benevolent sometimes but it's not the truth but it's with good intentions how 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 does that sort of stand up against the the whole so so white lie meaning thereby it is a lie but it is said with good intentions that's what it means with you know with good intentions yeah, yeah. maybe even protect protect someone yeah 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 absolutely yeah. so one is the divine most important thing the divine does see the intent he is not a mechanical that was the whole thing about uh, that story of ashwatthama hatavata that look at the larger context so certainly the divine is not a dogmatic about you know uh, you must speak the truth in this way and there is a very nice story there is a little story about it true story because shirbindo said you should never utter a lie consciously or unconsciously so this is one part of it but a story goes about surinda johar when he had asked shirbindo not surinda johar benerji surinath benerji when he had asked shirbindo in a certain context in the court case that you know he'll be called upon as a witness so what should he do because if he tells the truth then the person will be convicted and will be very unfair and shrobindo said two things you don't always have to speak you can remain silent it was so wonderful you can remain silent second thing which he said truth has to be seen as a whole and in totality not in bits and parts 
So that is what will answer this. It has to be seen in totality and not in bits and parts. Yeah, yeah. I yes. have a question. Yes. Uh, Dr. Pandey, I want to know if we are following Swadharma mm-hmm. and uh, we are following the path of Mother and Sri Aurobindo, uh, we are more or less protected, taken care of. Yet our mind would like to gauge how much we have done or how much far we have traveled. This question now and then, if it comes, is it good? Uh, it's uh, If we have walked the path, sometimes there is a tendency to monitor ourselves that how much we have progressed. Um, it is not good to start with. And why it is not good, let me explain. One is that in this path especially, this path is like a Sampoon Himalaya Darshan. So, the divine may start showing us an aspect of the Himalaya which is very beautiful. And usually it starts like that. In the first stages, such a beautiful experiences, all psychic experiences. But he has to also take us into those hidden liars of den of beasts where they are growling. So if somebody really sees these two in terms of time, one may think that one is not progressed, rather one has gone down. But in the divine wisdom, actually this going down is to clear a passage so that one can take a leap forward. That's how the entire system of pralaya works. And that's how in human consciousness, we see that these things which we call as ups and downs, beautifully described in Savitri is, uh, he speaks about the, you know, when, when somebody seemingly falls, one is pulled down from above and goes into a state which can be called as false. Now, normally it would be said that, well, the person has fallen. So, it's not progress but going down. And Sri says, this too the supreme diplomat can use. He makes our fall a means to greater rise. And then he explains that what the divine does in that moment he enters into the tumult of the senses in our darker parts till they do feel the need and will to change. Otherwise, what will happen? Just the soul will go and fuse with the divine. What about nature? So, in this particular yoga especially, who is advancing, not advancing, progressing, retrogressing, it's something which uh, is not only best, should never be done. Second is that Another problem is the moment I monitor myself, I am thinking of myself, I am consciousness is turned upon myself. That means somewhere the ego was there pursuing the yoga almost like an ambition that I want to achieve something. Let me see how much I have achieved. This itself becomes a bar to progress. Whereas yoga, at least the way Mother and Shurbindo has spoken about it, is to forget oneself. So when we forget ourselves, all that we need to remember is how much am I concentrated upon myself and how much I have concentrated upon the divine. Every time the concentration comes upon me, we should turn it the other way and say, whether I am progressing, not progressing, is all your business. Ultimately, at one level, third level, what really is progress and, uh, you know, lack of progress? Progress is simply the degree of manifestation of the divine within us. That's what progress is about. It's nothing to do with experiences. For instance, some people believe that if we are having visions and voices, Mother spoke about it, or if one can meditate for many hours, one is progressing. She said, no, it's not true. 
In fact, she goes on to say that there are disciplines you may practice all your life and yet not be practicing yoga. And she gives them, she says, Hatha Yoga, Raj Yoga. So we may do all these all our life and yet we no, may not be engaged in the yoga. So yoga is about ultimately giving oneself to the divine. What happens to us is the divine's lookout. And if it looks like we have not progressed, that means he is preparing a great leap. And there is a very beautiful um, little essay of Shirobindo, which I often remember, uh, the strength of stillness. When it seems that we are not advancing, because we are jammed, pinned into one place. So we should remember how a tiger or a lion is quiet before the leap. So at that point of time, we should just remember her, gather strength in a state of concentrated stillness. That's all that is required. Progress, not progress, it's a journey taking place through lives, not just, you know, one lifetime. And, uh, you know, such fantastic stories about it. I'll close with this little story. About a yogi who was doing a kind of tantra sadhana where every Purnima he has to come and do a special Kali Puja. And there was a curious man in the village and he would one day wanted to know what is happening. What does he do? So one of the full moon night, this yogi came, tantric came in the forest and on the mat he sat to do the Kali Puja. It seems it was the last of his Ahuti day when Kali would appear. And at that point of time, suddenly a tiger from nowhere came. And this fellow got scared and ran away. And the tiger behind him. What happened to that man, I do not know. But this fellow who was watching suddenly felt curious. Oh, what is this asana? He goes and sits there. And suddenly Kali appears and says, ask. So he is shaken. He says, mother, I am not the fellow. <laughs> that fellow has run away. She says, you are questioning my wisdom. You are the fellow. No, mother, I have not done any of this. <laughs> and then she says that you had done everything in your previous life. This one thing was waiting. And now that moment has come and you can have the fruits. Many times, one life is only for preparation. Show me those words incidentally. And another for fruition. So we must wait for the right season. And each one seasons are different. Look at, you know, there are certain flowers, flowering plants. They will give flowers very nicely. And people love them. They don't grow very tall. Huh? <laughs> well, look at the bamboo. For years, nothing is happening. But then when it comes, it moves so fast, so swiftly. And not only does it move so fast, so swiftly, this seemingly worthless plant is used by... Shri Krishna to hold the Gordhan Parvat and used by Shri Krishna to play his flute. So everything, you know, progress is something which is unique and individual to each one and only the divine knows what is happening inside and which way to take us, whether through the carnage of Kurukshetra or make us sit and meditate like a, like a Buddha. And we should leave it to him. Arjuna never meditated Apparently, 
and if one were to gauge his progress somebody asked arjuna hey arjuna how much do you meditate every day he'll say i don't know i am with keshav all the time you know he doesn't give me time i'm busy you know chatting with him and if somebody told him that uh, what do you do all day i love archery that's what i am doing i'm skilled at archery that i just enjoy i also play nice mridanga my dance oh this is no good did you ever have a vision i don't know what is that vision and the day he has a vision he has the vision of visions <laughs> and arjuna is blessed simply because all that he had was love for the lord so instead of worrying about uh, anything about ourselves all that we need to ask and cultivate is love for the divine mother and if we cannot do that then just to remember that the mother loves us that's all that is required in the yoga to perfect our love to a point where with every breath and heartbeat we can love her till the last moment of her life we can love her that is progress in this yoga the only question to be asked is how much have i given myself are there bits and pieces which i am holding clinging on to for my own sake give it to the divine it may be ugly it may be good doesn't matter he accepts all patram pushpam phalam toyam and turns it into the mint of divinity thank you thank you dr pande Well, thank you, Dr. Alok. Thank you. On that beautiful note, we'll end the session.